products. This week's joke is the Super Bowl. And that's the only time we can say that word. And welcome back to Zero Credits, the show where we talk about things. My name's Henry. And I'm Jared Goff. Just kidding. Haha, <laughs> my name's John. And together we're Henry and Jared Goff slash out John. We're bringing you the death of the American monoculture. That's a hard word to say. It's a tremendously hard word to say. So, uh, yes, the big game. Yeah, the big game happened this weekend, John. And you know what? We don't even really need to talk about how bad it was because everyone in the nation has already had that conversation. Yes, I can have, uh, number one, what big game is complete without a couple brews with your bros? And we're back on our drinking bullshit. Oh, that's right. This week's episode is brought to you by Sarah Nevada. It's, it's, it's Mexican. Yes. Sarah Nevada. Torpedo Extra IPA. Yes, Torpedo, something that I've seen in every store I've ever gone to, but never drunk. It's uh, very tasty. It is not super hoppy at all. Not super hoppy. It's got some citrus. It's got some pine. Mm-hmm. I think one, a third thing, it's the hops. The third thing is the hops. I would, I would describe this as a juicy. It's a juicy beer. It's very, it's very, uh, how you would say fruity, as in it's got fruit in it. It's like fruit juice. It's like fruit juice with hops. And uh, it tastes out starting. It starts out tasting out really good, but by the way, by the time you get halfway through the bottle to that the last just hoppy part, it kind of turns on you. And you're like, "Why did you do this to me?" As all IPAs go, the first sip you're like, "Ooh, interessante," and then by the time you're done drinking it, you're full of regret. But back to the big game. I well, think one that- one more note about Sierra Nevada is that it is the official IPA, not sponsor, but drink. For my wedding. Oh, congratulations, Sierra Nevada. Over the course of the next two weeks, because my wedding is in two weeks, we're going to drink each of the beers that will be at my wedding. Oh, is this because the other IPA was uh, Austin Beer Works one? That we I did tried. not. Yeah, we did not go with them. This is a ba- this is much more palatable to the masses. And that's why we liked it. All right. Anyway, so next week we'll try something else. And the final week we'll... we'll Wrap it up with probably the, the the one that I'll be drinking. And all of the uh, people who are listening to this podcast who somehow inexplicably aren't attending Henry's wedding in one way or another, you're going to go on the journey with us and you can imagine uh, that you are enjoying the nuptials as well. Yes, because everyone knows nuptials equals beer. Now, back to the big game. Now, I think that every sporting event, uh, no matter the size or scope or even uh, the sport, can be broken down into very, very simple terms. And I'm talking about the tail of the tape. You take any sporting event, the most interesting uh, time-enduring aspect is going to be the statistics. Oh, yeah. All those numbers that those... Analysts get hard ons for yeah. those fucking nerds. All those fucking football nerds. And this football is no different. Let me hit you with some of the hardest facts. This is the lowest scoring through the first three quarters. Yeah. It is the super that was the lowest scoring at time. Wow. It was also the super. 
that the most people turned off. Oh, really? I did not see. I didn't know that because unlike I, apparently most people, I watched the entire thing. Uh, yes, I had a social event that I had uh, promised myself to three weeks prior. Where a friend of my girlfriend had rented out the club room at their very nice apartment complex with a huge ass TV where we got to watch this. Nice. Uh, what they do is. Uh, also, I'm sorry. Uh, what they do is they rent out the club and theater rooms for every major sporting event before anyone else can. Wow. Uh, but it was, it was very nice. There were a lot of people there, a lot of people who cared a lot about the Patriots. Uh, but it was... Again, I'm sorry. Oh, and I do believe I said the word s- the SB word in there oh, a few times. You're, you might have to bleep yeah. it when you edit. Yeah, I've got to replace it with something, uh, I've got to replace it with something pretty catchy. They give people an idea of what we're talking about, but not yeah. yet. Uh, but I did watch all of the big game. The big game? In its entirety. I also watched all the big game, uh, but we got so bored that we assembled two nice bar stools... That are now sitting at our counter. We also ate an entire half of a thing of guacamole. Uh, Those look a lot better than that sixth ring will look on Tom Brady's disgusting six-fingered hand. It's kind of amazing to me how ubiquitous the amount of just people were like, it was bland, it was lame, it was bad. How boring it was. And this is not, like the game of course was a defensive struggle, which they're always kind of tough to watch. So the game itself was boring. His lowest scoring. Tons of people switched off. The commercials were bad. Uh, which is rare for a... <laughs> that I don't think, other than a, a standout that we'll talk about later, I don't think that there was a single commercial that really stands out in my mind as good. There are a few that stand out as being quite bad. But I did not like... I did not enjoy my time watching... <laughs> commercials in almost any capacity it it honestly feels like and i've said this multiple times over the course of the past two days it feels like no one tried this year yeah it feels like they knew what kind of game it would be yeah it's almost as as if they knew that the big game is on a decline so they're like let's i know it's still the same amount of money but let's not put a lot of effort into it this year let's just be there yeah let's just uh Here's my take on the commercials. All very depressing, some fear-mongering, some, I believe the message was, unless you buy Kia's prestige SUV, small America will perish. And we'll get, we'll we'll dive deeper into the commercials later. We're kind of laying out the groundwork of the episode, the order in which we're going to hit these topics, apparently. We're going to talk about the game first, then the commercials, and then speaking of just being there... Maroon 5's halftime show, another bad component of this overall bad night. Yes, it is uh, the halftime show I'm, I'm almost most interested to get to, but let's get right down to the meat. So yeah, let's start out, we've kind of given you a preview that the game was bad with the statistics, and also... I have nothing to say about this game. So here's how the game went in my recollection... The first quarter passed, Here's and nothing happened. But uh, people at this party and people since will make the argument that, oh, if you cared about defense or how the game is actually played, it would actually be very interesting. Here's the problem with that. Uh, football, as it is presented, is largely presented as entertainment. 
people tune into it to be entertained. Uh, and it doesn't matter if you know what the rules are. People know what bad entertainment looks like. Yeah, I, I mean, liking defense is all well and good. But this is this is the hypest. This is the biggest moment in football. And so it's got to it's gotta look impressive. And compare it to what has to be one of the more boring wrestling events, the Royal Rumble, which we talked about last week. Mm-hmm. Everyone just tuned off. Yes. <laughs> At Royal Rumble, uh, they rip the AirPods out of their ears because our listeners are rich. <laughs> and they throw them in the garbage disposal. But but the thing is, like, even th- that event was tedious a little bit. It dragged on. But even that had moments of high energy and explosive, like, excitement. Yeah, the feeling that I had, now don't get me wrong, I enjoyed the Royal Rumble infinitely more than I enjoyed this year's big game, uh, but I felt a very similar feeling of malaise watching it, where at some point I had just checked out and was just there to be there, which was a, a, a huge bummer. At the very least, you had, like, Nikki Cross or whatever. No, I, I don't know anyone's name. The, I, I learned no names because there were no... From the Royal Rumble? Sorry. Oh. I thought you were talking about... I tuned out. Oh, no. I tuned out I also of the... tuned out from the Super... <laughs> no, I tuned out of what you were talking about. Nikki Cross was the crazy lady in the Royal Rumble. She was good. Yeah, if only she had been on the Patriots. You know, the, I see... And the XFL got a lot of flack <laughs> when, it, when, when Vince McMahon... Um, made his XFL and he had storylines. Yeah, he got a lot of flack for that, and he wanted to like revive it with now storylines. I kind of think he needs some storylines. Uh, you know what's what's great? What would be fantastic if there were football storylines? Granted, there are football storylines right now, but whoever is writing them needs to get fired because I am not tuning in every week just to see millionaire MAGA shitheads. At yeah, the, at the height of their careers. As the as the quarterbacks for fucking both teams, like the the the, the events leading up to this game, had, they were so ripe for a rivalry between the Saints and the NFL, and so like the Saints got robbed by by the referees who did not call it. So at the big event, who better to play spoiler? Who better to show up as a heel? Yeah. than the Saints. To show up, spice things up, maybe take out the refs, maybe let the Rams get a few hits in on Tom Brady. At the very end, at the very, very, not the very end, let's say the middle of the, of this, of this big game. If the Saints had busted in with folding chairs, they had taken out Tom Brady, much like the, the Daniel Bryan AJ Styles match. They had taken out Tom Brady, they take the field, and you're like, oh man, the Patriots were already up, the Saints are about to cream the Rams. Then, only then, do the Rams get replaced somehow. They they tag in the Chiefs, and then we get the game we wanted, which is a Saints-Chiefs game. That would be amazing. Yeah, they, they, all of the Rams players run to the sidelines, and they all slap the hands of all the Chiefs players who are who are in the audience. That yeah. would have been the best the best big game. There's a lot to talk about the game. You can talk about the inexperience of the Rams in both coach and uh, quarterback, who's only, I think, I want to say 24, mm-hmm. and the coach is only 33. So there's, there were some sloppy mistakes, like uh, uh, too many men on the field call, which you shouldn't see at that high level of play. Oh, illegal hands to face all over the place. I wasn't paying that close attention. There were a few times where calls were played in favor of the Patriots that weren't fouls. They weren't. Mm-hmm. And and it's just 
The favoritism by the refs for the most winningest team tied with the Steelers. And what this should be the to, most it needs hated. to stop. Should be the the Patriots should be the most hated team. Because here's the thing. I have a genuine belief that Tom Brady is probably the most physically talented and lucky Android. Uh, he's a fucking robot. In quotes, person yes, on see? Earth. Uh, but I also feel like watching the Tom Brady, Jared Goff kind of rivalry that they were trying to, trying to make a thing. It, it was really Germanic. It was really Teutonic in its storytelling because rather than seeing like a young hero rise up and, and against adversity and win, you just get to see, uh, a young, a young naive person with no idea what's happening get everything stolen from him by an immortal demon. Yeah. Uh, and it was very Germanic in that way. I, I think the popularity of the Patriots is in direct conflict with, like, the the American ideal of, like, we root for the underdog. Every sports movie ever. It's like, it's the little guy versus the big guy. You know, the, the big corporate machine that's designed to win versus the, the plucky little band of miscreants and misfits just trying to do their best. And you're supposed to root for the little guy. Mm-hmm. But in reality, the Patriots is one of the most popular teams in the nation for some reason. And that, 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 it doesn't make sense. If you look at it, it's a real Rocky Four scenario. Because people in America will, we will hate an Ivan Drago if he represents communism. But that really wasn't what Ivan Drago's key problem that made him a good antagonist was. It's that he had access to the most state-of-the-art training equipment and coaches and illegal drugs. And Rocky still beat him by training, by like carrying a cart and doing hanging push-ups in a barn. Spoilers. So the the fact that we as Americans, by and large, in the majority, at least in, in terms of percentage of people who root for certain NFL teams, were like, no, this, uh, this team full of roided-up MAGA shitheads that have been like super winning assholes forever, great. I mean, you say that, but a, a lot of Patriots have come out to say that they're not going to visit the White House. They're not oh, going to well, go on good. that visit. Well, thank God they don't get fed Golden Corral or whatever the fuck. Yeah. I mean, Tom Brady's not one of them, but that's neither here nor there. The main problem... Do with- you think they're going to have food for Tom Brady there? Do you think they'll have a rockfish slurry with <laughs> raw water? I'm sure they'll have a charging port set up for him <laughs> and, like, I guess some batteries for him to nibble on. I'm just glad that he, he finally gets to feast on Jared Goff's blood <laughs> yeah. to maintain him for another thousand years. Now, I, I, what I think is the biggest problem with the big game... It's not really on the athletes. I'm not talking about like political beliefs or whatever. Just like they can only play the game they can play. Mm-hmm. So they're going to play the game that they play. I think really it's it's on CBS, who has had the Super Bowl for the past thousand years, and it's on the NFL. These two organizations, like this, is supposed to be the height of football. This is supposed to be the apex, the the most exciting event. Of all time for the year for football. And what do we get? The same shit. It's the same normal shit as every other game. Oh, welcome to the football Sunday. No like special presentation. Mm-hmm. No like super like hype up thing. You know, you got, you got famous people singing the national anthem. That's, that's fine. But no like song. You know, it's, it's. 
Sunday. N- none of that. Just like, oh, we're back again at the Atlanta Stadium. I'm White Man Jones, and here's Tony Romo, mm-hmm. and uh, we're gonna be commentating the game. Also, we don't want to be here. Yeah, it. I. This is the first big game in uh, in in my experience or in my history where I felt like I really felt like it was over. Yeah. I, I felt like it had peaked. This was the first time that I felt like real, meaningful, big game NFL fatigue where I was like, I don't feel like this is that big of a deal anymore. Yeah, like like uh, football, uh, the NFL in general has been on a steady decline for the past, let's say, five years. And so they need to revitalize, get some crossover fans, get some people who aren't interested, interested. Sign Colin Kaepernick, some team... <laughs> And this is your chance to do so. This is the big event where people who don't even watch football tune in to, to at least watch the commercials. And what do they do? They run a game that is shorter than a college football game and by it, a good twenty to fifteen to twenty minutes, and is kind of shittier in quality. Uh, I I saw a fairly rel- a relatively in depth like uh, analysis of the plays. And the pace of the game, and it's on the low end of performance for a college football game. Yeah. Like, the, the defense might have been amazing, but it just wasn't a good game even by college football standards. The, the one scoring drive, touchdown scoring drive that the Patriots had, they literally ran the same play three times in a row. Yep. Like, that's... It's boring. It's... There's, there's no way around it. It's boring... And, but, the, but the worst part is the presentation was boring. Even if you had, like, the, the shittiest game in the world, if you're the NFL, if you're CBS, you want people tuning in to your station, you got to hype that shit up, and they didn't. They didn't. And that even carries over to to the commercials, really, because it was... It's a great transition to the commercials. Because it was nothing. Like, the, I feel like... The only thing that really stood out to me, other than the one thing that we'll talk about later, uh, is, you know that fucking stupid Bud Light Dilly Dilly thing? Yeah. And so this is coming from someone who has not had cable for more than eight years. Uh, and I hope to never have cable again in my life. But I, I saw that in every Super Bowl game, every, every what is super, wrong with you? You're just every, violating copyright left and right. Every super big game. Okay. Uh, I, I get an interface with this like dilly dilly Bud Light thing that I guess was like created during like Game of Thrones third, th- third season or something. And they're like, yeah, the, the like medieval dark ages aesthetic is cool. Let's just run with that shit. Yeah. And, the the fact that it persists and seems popular and I will hear people at work like jokingly say dilly dilly or whatever. You think it's a joke. I I I think it's a joke, but it's it's insane to me how parasitic and pointless and vapid our culture has become. The the weird thing is they've dropped the dilly dilly thing. Like so, yeah, they know so now they're expanding on the concept. But one of the things that I hated about this football season was they went with this whole it's brewed for the many, not for the few thing. Oh. And they made fun of people who like craft beers. <laughs> and there's like in a way that's sort of like, oh, it's kind of unmasculine to like craft beers or to like things that like there's there's this other visiting king who's like, oh, I, I'd like a nice cider because it has a good mouthfeel. And the, the, the bud king is like, oh, I can't do this. Two buds 
And, and the guy said, oh, but I don't drink, bud. And he goes, oh, they're both for me. Oh, uh, yes, brewed by the oligarchs to serve to the peasants. Don't, in any circumstance, uh, patronize local or small business. It was, uh, drink Budweiser, go fuck yourself. It was very satisfying to a sadistic level to watch Game of Thrones invade that commercial and just fucking kill everybody. So that was a very interesting thing for me to watch because that was really the one that stuck out at the party I was at and people were like, what just happened? Uh, gutsy for sure uh, but Bud Light clearly like gave some level of okay for that to happen because of course they would because yeah. everyone sucks Wait, I mean it's too. the same actors the same sets like it, nothing was knockoff they, they were like yeah this is that this is probably that was probably the commercial they were aiming to get when they started the campaign three years ago. Yeah, and, and the fact that that ended up being a Game of Thrones commercial fine. Weird brand synergy to be like, yeah, we need to uh, viciously m- murder people during a commercial we paid $16 million for. But how brilliant would it have been if that was the end of the ad campaign? Oh, no. I, I was thinking about that. I was like... If this is the last fucking dilly dilly ad they ever play, this is full circle because they said, we started this because we had a tangential interest in the Game of Thrones aesthetic, and the end is, this is just a long commercial for Game of Thrones, and it's fucking over? That would have been perfect, and then they had their fucking dilly dilly commercial later. And they made the mistake to to keep hitting the nail on the, the stupid nail of, hey... But Light's not brewed with corn syrup. That's the commercial. There's no punchline. Yeah. There's no anything else of interest. Can you imagine? It's just, I drink this beer that's brewed with this ingredient, this ingredient, this ingredient, and corn syrup. Oh, really? I drink this other drink that's this ingredient, this ingredient, this ingredient, and no corn syrup, and that's your, that's the entire commercial. Yeah. That's fucking. It's, it's so stupid. You know what would have been a much better Bud Light commercial? Yeah. If the second commercial they played, because they space these things out and they know, uh, if the second Bud Light commercial was still just a Bud Light commercial, but it was just like a a still camera shot of just corpses and fire <laughs> of the aftermath of the previous thing, and that went on for thirty seconds, and then, and then it and then like a big Bud Light can showed up, and it's like drink Bud Light. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a slow pan from left to right of just burning corpses and people dying. Maybe you recognize like the Bud Knight or something down there. Yeah, and there's, there's a the crow king. eating the eyes yeah. of the Bud. There's Knight. a crow, and then sl- and then just like dissolve it just silently. This just says Bud Light. And <laughs> yes. then fade the black. Oh, it does a fucking <laughs> Avengers Infinity War. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like Bud Light and then it crumbles into <laughs> dust. And then the Bud Light crumbles and that's it. That would have been so much better. No one was willing to make a risk, take a risk this year. There were no... Remember last... What do you think of when I say last commercials? Do you know? Okay. Wait, was that the the David Harbor one? Yeah, the, the Tide. Yeah, Tide ad. It's a Tide it's ad. It's a Tide ad was the best uh, big game commercial ever. Yeah, I, I mean... From and, this point forward, we're just going to say Super Bowl. Well, no, we're not. You've said Super Bowl times. No, I haven't. You ha- keep saying it. When? You just said it when you said remember last year. Oh. I've been counting. You have to bleep every single one of those. God damn it. Fine. Do whatever you want. Why can't we say... 
this was your joke that you started. Yeah. You know what? I'll I'll make good on the on the joke. But anyway, it's a tide ad. Yeah, that and that was so risky because suddenly you're doing like you 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 are tangentially doing your product, but then you're you're setting up people to be potentially confused, mm-hmm. which is why you write the line. Nope. It's a tad ad. Yeah. And yep, it's a tad ad. Like, that's why you write that line to let people know, yeah, it's a tad ad. No one was willing to do that. There, Like, no through lines. No through line. Like, we got random fucking apps that go, oh, we paid people to pronounce her name correctly. Ugh. What do you, what's your app about? Don't fucking know, but I guess I know it's now pronounced. Can't remember the fucking name of the app because it wasn't rememberable. Wasn't there some kind of episode, but episode uh, commercial like Chunky Milk or something? Oh, for yeah, like Cricket Wireless. Oh man, something. there was, and that was the grossest. I don't remember thing. the product or why. That was the grossest thing. Yeah, don't know why they'd make that. You know what I? What ad, okay. the only other ad that had any meaningful impact is T-Mobile had ads that were bad. They were like the, the I really text liked boxes. Them. I really liked them. I did. Are you on T-Mobile? No. no. I I don't know. I didn't think they were funny. I thought a lot of them were just rehashes of internet humor. They were. Uh, but I like that every time a commercial came out, it unveiled a new feature of T-Mobile. Yeah. Uh, and there was one person at the party who had T-Mobile that was like, I just got a text that said that I get free tacos. That's, right as the commercial ended, they rolled these features out, which seemed pretty cool. awesome. Yeah, I like that. Um, there are a lot of commercials that we need to talk about because they're extremely problematic. Uh, one of them being Verizon. Uh, what did Verizon do? So Verizon... I want to make it perfectly clear. I was at a party where there was shuffleboard and a lot of free that's beers. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. So I might have missed some of these. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, Verizon did this thing. And uh, so it they brought up like an NFL coach out. He was saved by first responders. And uh, so he's talking to a group of first responders about his experience. And the first responders who responded to his accident were there. And he kind of tears up and he thanks them. It's this really wholesome moment. This really good moment. And then at the very end flashes Verizon. Now, you know why that's problematic? Why? Uh, not even... I don't, I don't even know. Not even half a year ago, uh, the California wildfires were burning. Mm-hmm. And Verizon throttled firefighters' oh. data and calls. No... And so now they're doing this this whole thing about first responders and how important and how good. Let's honor them so people forget that they were in direct detriment to first responders doing their jobs. Yeah, people, I guess, have forgotten that Verizon probably killed people. Yeah. And, and so that's they're not the only ones who did shit like this. I don't know if you caught this, but the NFL suddenly was like... Hey, black people are cool. Here's Martin Luther King Jr.'s, like, uh, granddaughter or something. Okay. Here's another commercial about, hey, we're helping out black neighborhoods. So, wait. You're missing the point, the Des- NFL. Despite an extremely long history of the NFL, uh, and, and I say this with no degree of trepidation, really strongly disliking black people. Yeah. Actively and actionably. Now is the year where they're like, oh, hey, 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 we're good, we're cool, we're cool. You cannot look at that and not think, oh, they're trying to repair the damages that Colin Kaepernick did. When all Colin Kaepernick did was protest bl- police brutality. 
yeah. in the nation. He was not protesting the NFL. So the NFL is not, quote, making good on anything that they did wrong. Yeah, the NFL had nothing to do with what Colin Kaepernick was protesting about. They decided to respond to his protest in the most, like, parochial, racist, glad-handing way to the worst subsets of the American population. Yeah. Uh, and they continued to do that for years. And Colin Kaepernick's career as a, as a football player are basically dead. Yeah. And, and like, so th- this is like them trying to repair relationships with the black community. And it, it's just like, it's too, it's not enough. And you suck, NFL, for doing that. Like, yeah. The NFL has been a. Here's the thing. Uh, the NFL has, since 2016, or even earlier, they've just really sucked up to a racist, xenophobic portion of, of the United States population yeah. pretty consistently because uh, they're a huge part of their base. Yeah. I mean, it's true. I mean, if you're not willing to fucking make a stand in that circumstance, you're a garbage company. And if you can't, if you can't see that there is a problem between the police and how they treat certain people in this country, then I have no words for you. Do you mean to to tell me, do you mean to tell me that Roger Goodell has never been subject to an illegal stop and frisk, never been pulled over? Do you mean to tell me that Roger Goodell doesn't go through the same struggles every day that your average African-American citizen goes through? <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean to tell you. That's what I'm saying. I was talking to Roger Goodell two days ago, and he said that wait, his, wait. his okay, private Continue jet, your story. Just continue your story. I'm just going to walk away real quick. So I was talking to Roger Goodell moments ago, and he said that his private jet was pulled over by a California Highway Patrol officer. Do you want another one? Uh, yes. Alright. Uh, keep, keep telling your story, John. Uh, Highway Patrol officer, and, uh, they searched his private jet for marijuana. Oh. Oh, do you think he smokes the devil's lettuce? No, they profiled him, is the problem. Oh, do you Really? Yeah, they they profiled him based on his uh, appearance. Yeah, I don't think that's true. Uh, Probably not. Roger Goodell tells a lot of lies. (laughs) He's not Roger No Lie. He's Roger Good... ah, He's Roger Badell. Yeah, Badell. So, uh, yeah. More commercials I had problems with. Please. I didn't have a problem with the message of this commercial. It's just the fact that it's a commercial that was commercializing a product. Uh Uh-huh. Man, I forgot her name just now. It's something like... It's Tori something. She was the female football player who got a football scholarship. I don't... Oh, because she was in that one commercial with all the people at the dinner thing. No. No, a different person. This is, this is a weird commercial. It's, it's all about a one person's like personal struggle and journey interspliced with a car driving. Yeah. It was a Toyota ad. Uh-huh. And the two pieces didn't connect... And she, you know, it's like, yeah, this is really awesome for this, this one, this, this football playing girl who's awesome and who's made it, make got a football scholarship. And then it just shows her driving the Toyota. And it's just like, wait, was that the pinball one? No. No. The pinball one was the Supra. Yeah, that was, the, that was Supra. This, this was a different one. I was excited for that one just because I'm excited for the new Supra. Well, it's, I get, but it was a bad commercial. I get celebrating people's stories. 
that's great. But there was no connection between her story and the product. And it was just like, isn't this woman great? Buy a Toyota. I mean, that's, that's the, that's the late capitalist shell game that we all have to play every day is every, every single day we are served like a hot bun and it, it appears to be a hot bun and that hot bun is like social issues or inspirational stories or a human moment. Inside of that bun is just capitalism spiders. Yeah. Like, I, I hate it. I would rather you do a pinball supra commercial with pinball wizard playing in the background because then it's like all right look how cool this is we know the terms yeah it's, I, we're on the same playing ground you're trying to sell me something i'm telling you i'm not buying a supra i mean i i do not care i don't care for the kind of capitalism that we live in but i don't think that i would have as many problems with it if you just let me know the terms yeah if you didn't try to lie to me and play with my emotions for profit and I think this year was the biggest year, the biggest disconnect between... Because I, I usually use these, these Super Bowl... Super, uh, see, I did it. You're right. I am saying it. A lot. I usually... Not a lot. Just that one time. <laughs> I usually use these commercials to kind of judge where America's mindset is. You know, just culturally. Because mm-hmm. they're the biggest... If anyone knows what's on people's minds, usually it's marketers. Because they want... To tap into that and sell people using the strategies that people are already thinking of. I think this year was the biggest disconnect between commercial and viewer. Absolutely. Because I feel like they they played their hand too aggressively. I feel like they've been doing this kind of shit for so long that 2019, uh, let alone the fact that 2019 stands to be the year when American politics... Uh, like the Overton window is pushed farther left than it has been in years and people are more aware of the evils of late stage capitalism that people there's an intersection between marketers pushing their hand too hard and people just realizing what shit they've been putting up with since the 80s yeah that people are starting to feel even in this room full of total strangers from seemingly all walks of life assuming they're affluent people who live in Austin Texas uh, they seem to have a genuine distaste for the commercials. I, I think maybe we're tapping into something that we can't really explain yet with our joke about it's 20 fight teen. And I think a lot of people, nature, other people, we're kind of feeling this vibe. It's 20 fight teen. And what the corporate world, the people who, quote, make the decisions and the politicians of the world just showed us with that 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 whole commercial appetizer buffet mm-hmm. is that they're not on the same page. They don't get it. They don't understand that this is the year that things start to change. I I honestly think that it, especially with politicians who serve capitalist interests and capitalist institutions that really starting in 2018 going into this year this is when they missed a step. This is when people zigged and they zagged. Yeah. Because typically since it's in their best interest they will try to stay they will try to stay within the zeitgeist. They will try to stay comfortably within what people's tolerances are. But since our tolerances have every year shifted more exponentially since 2016 there's a a fundamental disconnect and i think that there is a real honest resentment for those kinds of institutions right now so it's hard to watch those ads because you know you know implicitly you're being fed a line of bullshit 
I mean, I, I can break down the ads into three categories, basically. Celebrity endorsement bullshit that doesn't play into what the celebrity is even good at. And that's the Steve Carell Pepsi commercial. That fucking sucks. I love Steve Carell. That and I was like, why are you sucked. there? Two is Even the, Little John. You know, I yeah. feel bad that Little John had to be in that commercial. And all he could say is, okay, not even what or yeah. Yeah, they're like, oh, what's Little John say? How can we... Uh, how can we marginalize the catchphrase of a black celebrity today? Yeah. Let's just have him say the one thing. The second category was n- nostalgia-filled super cameos, like the Walmart commercial of all the different types of cars. Oh, remember that Jeff Bridges commercial that yeah. played on Big Lebowski, Nostalgia, and fucking Blue? Yeah, Sex and the City, and then and then the Jeff Bridges, <sighs> Big Lebowski. Oh, you gotta change it up, get a Stella Artois, whatever. Yeah. So yeah, those those nostalgia commercials, and then three were the woke capitalism commercials, where it's like, oh, let's honor our first responders or give it up for the military. We're Google stuff yeah. like that. So those were the three types of commercials you got, and that's it. That's it. Not no room for cleverness, no room for anything that's actually meaningful or could leave an impact. That and you know, no no corn syrup. Yeah, and. uh Speaking about things that uh, have no well, meaningful impact. Before we, before you transition, I started this episode by saying, you know, we talk about the death of the American monoculture. It's still hard to say. You said it the best that time. Probably. And what I mean by that is, it, this is like a, a, a thing. Television has dictated culture for so long. For the past 70 years. Since it became a mainstay in every household, cable television sort of dictated the cultural mindset of the nation. Mm-hmm. And what we witnessed with that big game, with the commercials, with the big, like how boring it was, is the first major sign that that has changed. That is starting to end. I, I think that I, I wouldn't necessarily go back as far as 70 years because I, I don't think it's something that is as simple as our relationship to television. Yeah. I believe it is something to do with our relationship to fundamentally capitalist American institutions, which only go back to Ronald Reagan. Okay. Because I, I think that if you go back to the 50s, 60s, and 70s, uh, the playing field was a lot fairer and people weren't taking advantage of us so easily. They still were. Uh, but it was more of a symbiotic relationship rather than a parasitic one. And then I, I genuinely believe with the, with the Reagan administration slashing taxes for the wealthy, all, a rising tide, uh, lifts all ships and whatever else the fuck. I think since the 80s, that is really where the golden age of TV nostalgia, especially TV nostalgia for capitalist brands and advertising starts to take hold. Because that's when pure profit was the motivation. So for almost 40 years... 40 years, okay. For two generations worth of youths, we've, we've had this intrinsic connection to this thing. Yeah. And I feel like this is the first time we're like, we're starting like the genuine American sentiment and the desire of capitalist American institutions are starting to shift away from each other. And I think that's scary for both sides. Yeah. But I think it's good. I, you know, the internet, I think, started a weird side culture. Not exactly a counterculture. Because a lot of the ideas kind of still lined up. But now they're starting to shift. Now it might be a counterculture brewing on the internet. You see it actually in brands like on Twitter 
where Wendy's is actively mean to other people, to their client, to their potential customers and stuff. There's this culture, uh, counterculture brewing that television doesn't care about. Yeah. And it shows. And the ratings are reflecting that. And the cord cutters are reflecting that. Television is being removed from the mantle place of American culture. And it is scary because I don't know what's going to replace it. Yeah, because television was our silent parent for mm-hmm. for decades. Television, uh, I've, I listen to and read quite a few things about America, Americans' reliance on television for guidance in areas that are not just like moral, but ideological and philosophical. And we've, we've relied on it for so long. And, and because of the internet, haha, Donald Glover, Childish Gambino. That's a whole album he did. Uh, because the internet existed, I, I do believe we were finally starting to exist in a place where we no longer have this kind of implicit master. And that's, not necessarily, I think, television's fault, but it's because every single person now has a unique connection to culture rather than the connection they achieve by watching the TV. Yeah. Because the TV used to be our window to the world. And now our individual windows to the world are... And it, it fell out of being profitable or popular because to be profitable or popular on the internet past a certain point past the early 2000s you had to offer a certain degree of curation to the average person going back to things like dig and stumble upon or even fark like oh going God. back going back to pre-reddits yeah the thing that made people feel most connected is their ability to create their own subculture and i think that we are moving away from a place where we can be blasted in the eyes with culture and accept it because we're all leading our own countercultures because we all have our own cultural worlds that we engage in. Yeah. And it's becoming increasingly difficult for like the, the shotgun approach to television to reach us at all. Even things like Netflix, which is highly like customized to the generation we're in can still seem thin and narcissistic and capitalist when you look at it closely enough and people are starting to become cord cutter cutters who are breaking off of branching of uh, breaking off of streaming services it's what the fuck do they do i don't know what's it gonna be that's weird i don't know you, you you just borrow people's passwords this is the first time in my life as a relatively young person that i'm excited that we're breaking away from like this this shared connection to the culture but i'm also I'm freaked out because I don't know what's going to replace it. Yeah. Not that I have any meaningful connection to television, but it's it's an institution that's dying and it has to to be replaced by something better. But what the fuck is there? I don't know. We were raised by TV. Yeah, we were. TV and the internet. Yeah, TV and the internet raised us. I, I spent t- 10 to 20 minutes at work today looking up. There was a specific... Brand of toys in the 90s that were like mad balls from the 80s. Mad balls were like squishy balls that looked like monster heads. Yes. But there was something in the 90s that was like that, but it was not mad balls. And I spent a while looking for it. And at some point I put my phone down because I was like, what's... What's the point? What's the fucking point? It was a piece of plastic that was marketed to a child me. And I'm trying to look it up. Not to like satisfy a real 
educational or cultural curiosity, but I'm looking it up for the rush of dopamine for pe- for seeing pictures of the thing that I used to like. Yeah. The thing that was sold to me. Its images mean nothing. None of those things exist anymore. It's, it's a meaningless artifice that I want to engage with, and I put my phone down. It was scary to realize that I was <laughs> feverishly hunting for this thing just so I could feel a little, like, serotonin bubble. Man, when you break it down in the chemistry terms, it's really weird. It is really weird. That's why yeah. people love social media so much. Speaking of social media, Maroon 5. <laughs> yes. Uh, now, if we if we want to top... Our conversation about the death of the American monoculture. Uh, there's no better way to do it by talking about the death of rock star culture and then potentially uh, the death of music. The death of democracy as well can be included in there as well. I, look here. Look here, John. Look here. Not enough people start sentences by saying look here. <laughs> the thing is, growing up and until until that halftime show... I, I liked Maroon 5's music. Songs About Jane is a really strong album, I still will say. I think that Adam Levine is a very talented singer, a very talented performer, maybe one of the best. And, and he, yeah, it, but there was a moment listening to Maroon 5 song after Maroon 5 song. Where you can kind of trace. They started out with their classics, you know, the songs that made them. And you could you could kind of follow the arc of where Maroon 5 stopped being Maroon 5. Yeah, Maroon 5 became like a pop rock band. And pop? I like pop. Taylor Swift, Ariana Grande. But they became the worst kind of pop because they became insipid saccharine pop. Yes, they, they became just noise pop you know saying words for the sake of saying words boys like girls who like girls who like boys which is like what the what the fuck does that You've even got mean to imagine though if you're adam levine and you realize that you can just outsource to some swedish dude to write songs that sound orally interesting and you just sing those and then you get 50 trillion dollars yeah and you, you it's go, a sweet gig you own the voice yeah and you just sit in a chair you sit in a chair and you're like, you wink sometimes. But, like, I think putting that 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 halftime show together shows that they don't know music. Because nothing went together. Oh, not Nothing at all. gelled musically. Here's... Nothing felt natural. The, the composition of it is one thing that I will talk about. But I always... Uh, as someone who, who loves music... We've discussed on this podcast <laughs> multiple times that I have a... <coughs> A genuine appreciation for music. Uh, the the big game halftime show is always, to me, unless we're talking about the greats being the Prince halftime show. Uh, unless we're talking about the greats, then what the, the big game halftime show is, is a medley. In yeah. that they pick choruses yes. from the, the band's most popular songs. They link them tangentially and they link them with utmost pageantry and pyrotechnics and to make matters worse they include other big name artists who in the best years are uh very closely related to or interplay interestingly with the person who's performing 
Uh, this year was the worst kind of Super Bowl halftime show because they showed you in, in tremendous pageantry, Maroon 5, a band of highly skilled musicians. They showed you a medley of their compositions decomposing over time and becoming worse. And they decided to, rather than like get artists who gel well with them, they decided to go with a popular vote and have Travis Scott. Yeah. Uh, but also they did the Spongebob thing where people voted for Spongebob to sing Sweet Victory and they just had like a two second clip and then Travis Scott appeared. Uh. <laughs> Travis Scott sang a verse from Sicko Mode and it's a good verse. I think Sicko Mode's a great song and I think Astro World is one of the best albums of 2018. It got censored. It got censored, which I respect because that shows that Travis Scott was not willing to say different words. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I was kind of... Uh... When they started censoring him, I was like, did they tell him that he needed to sing either a way, radio-friendly song? Either way, either he didn't want he didn't to care. sing different words, or he didn't give a shit. Uh, I think Travis Scott is genuinely okay, uh, barring me reading about some kind of sexual malfeasance of his. Yeah, I, I mean, I didn't like him, but I didn't like him for... It wasn't his fault. Because it, he didn't choose to be introduced with this, this Spongebob tease that shows that... That Adam Levine or whoever put the, the the show together didn't understand exactly what the internet wanted. See, that would have been a perfect chance for the old guard of television and and, and this, the the systems that be to acknowledge that what the internet wants and give it to them. Instead, they acknowledged what the internet wants, thought they got it. And then completely missed it. Completely yeah. missed it by a mile. They did something worse than disregarding it, which was misunderstanding it. And the the outpour, the outcry was huge. Not in a way that affected anything, but a lot of people were upset. And because it was like a joke, you mm-hmm. know? it's It was yeah. just like what... And, and not a joke, but a way to honor someone who brought a lot of happiness to a lot of people... The, the, the death of the creator of Spongebob. I think his name is Steven something. Mm-hmm. Hildenberg? Who knows? Um, but he passed away and people wanted to honor him with this, this, this gesture at the Super Bowl. And it would have made a lot of people happy. And what did the executives do? They looked at it, saw, oh, there's crossover potential. So we'll nod at it, but then we'll move on, you know, because the Atlanta area, we got to get sicko mode in there. Yeah. I mean, I don't even know if Travis Scott is from Atlanta. It's unsure. But the craziest one to me is they went from Maroon 5, Adam Levine, to Travis Scott, who is good, uh, and then to Big Boy. And I have no qualms with Big Boy. I think if they're going to get any outcast members, they should get Andre 3000. Uh, but whatever. The only way that I thought they could meaningfully save the SpongeBob thing, and there was a tiny spark, a tiny iota in my mind of what was going to happen. I thought the SpongeBob interstitial would happen. Travis Scott would sing his verse from Sicko Mode, fall off, get crowd surfed away, which was a cool touch. Yeah, it was pretty cool. And then like the, it's like a fucking 64 Impala or something that comes up. It was a Cadillac. It was a Cadillac? Yeah. Yeah, it was like a, it was a, it was a convertible Cadillac. And I was like, this is Big Boy, but a tiny, tiny piece of my head thought it was going to come up and Big Boy would be riding with someone dressed up like SpongeBob SquarePants. Yeah. And I'd be like, that would be fucking incredible. Uh, and then Big Boy came up there, sang like a an Outcast song, which I don't know if Big Boy uh, deserves to sing Outcast songs. It's a group effort, 
Um, but what a... I get that Big Boy's from Atlanta. I get that he has all those AT Aliens shirts. But I just don't think Big Boy is a big enough draw to have at, yeah. the, at the big game. I don't think... It was such a weird choice to put Big Boy up there. And, and, and then you end... I love Big Boy. Well, I'm okay with Big Boy. I like Outcasts. They should get Andre 3000 up there. But if they got Andre 3000 up there, they couldn't. Because he's on some really weird shit. And would oh, probably yeah. not be okay to put on TV. I mean, his cartoon was pretty good. But if anything... I thought, okay, they did the nod to Spongebob. That means they're planting the seed, and then they're going to end with Sweet Victory, surely. Because that would be a really great finale. Yeah. Instead, their finale was Moves Like Jagger. A song that never reaches a a crescendo to be a finale. A song that I thought Maroon 5 didn't sing. I thought it was the voice song. Yeah. Because it had Christina Aguilera in it. It's got Adam Levine. I thought it was like, oh, this is just the voice wanted to do a song to get on the radio to promote the voice. Turns out Maroon 5 gets credit for the song for some reason. Also, Moves Like Jagger is one of the outsourced to a Swedish songwriter songs. And, the, and the guy who did a lot of um, the, I think, early Lady Gaga pop music did that. And, and, uh, and oh, what about the drone thing? Where it's a love and then with five and then love. I don't, I don't care. It's about love with drones. It's about love with drones. I don't care. God, I don't care. Can we talk about how Adam care. Levine? I, Look, John. There have been some great Super Bowl. Ha- God damn it! There have been some great halftime shows. <laughs> I've not been saying it all night. You have been. No, I haven't. There have been some great halftime shows. And Prince is one of them for sure. Michael Jackson is probably the all-time greatest. Yes. But then, like, Lady Gaga did a hell of a fucking job. Mm-hmm. And to what... Like, to, to wa- and Katy Perry did okay. Left shark. Stage yeah. right shark. <laughs> but to just to go from Lady Gaga, who ran while singing, who trained to, like, put on this phenomenal performance, this... This, this just blow you away performance of a lifetime to Adam Levine bouncing on stage while holding a guitar for five minutes without playing it. Yeah. Or, or just gyrating with some simple body rolls after he takes off his $300 tank top. Yeah. And stripping. Yeah. On stage. Which, here's the thing. I don't think... I think everyone has... Everyone reserves a God-given right to be sexy. Uh, but if, if we're going to say... I'm not body-shaming him I'm or just anything. Saying, I'm just saying that if we're going to uh, demonize Janet Jackson for showing a nipple yeah. on stage, then wh- what about... Which wasn't her choice. It wasn't. But what about Adam Levine's nipples? Come on. Double standard. I didn't want to see him, honestly. Free, free the nipple. Who gets a tattoo of just the word California on their stomach? Him? I think most of his tattoos are pretty okay, but why just California? You can't... Uh, look, you, no body shaming, so you can't shame his tattoos. I've learned that... Oh, I can tattoo shame people all day. I've learned that apparently tattoos don't need to mean anything. Oh, absolutely not. Uh, but there's still something for just a tattoo that looks dumb. Anyway. Look, some art is bad. And... But all ha- art is art. The halftime show wasn't art. Uh, no, it was not. I it will was not... bland, commercialized, M- MP3 garbage. I don't know what that means, but I said it. Anything that has that much 
like raw money and capitalism behind it is not art. Uh, Beyonce also very good big oh, game yeah. performance, very yeah. good formation, and she sang live. I couldn't tell if he was singing live. His voice sounded weird, so maybe he was singing live. It did sound weird. Travis Scott's voice sounded very weird, but that's typically what I don't know. If you take a lot of these like mid to late era SoundCloudish rappers, and it's kind of selling Travis Scott short to say he's a SoundCloud rapper, but their performances are very different from their recordings because their recordings are very heavily edited. I, f- I feel like I feel like Maroon Five might be heavily edited. Ev- ev- Oh, he could not hit those falsetto notes no, here he on the record at all. He couldn't. Yeah. What a they shouldn't have let him sing live. Because just, like the falsetto notes he hits on like animals, not a good song, but I'm like, that's impressive. And then he gets in front of people and can't hit a falsetto. What are you fucking doing? Yeah. And just like the controversy surrounding the halftime show, you had a, a number of artists refused to do it. One of them I think being Cardi B. Sure. Who who's big right now? I don't know any, any of her music, but after like that controversy, bloody shoes, bloody shoes, Cardi B, bloody shoes. I don't gotta dance. Something I make money moves. Money moves. You haven't heard that song? I don't listen. Is it on the radio? Yeah, it was. What channel? I don't know, fucking 98.9, KUTX. I keep hitting random channels to try to hear uh, Thank You Next. Oh. I, <laughs> I'm really into Thank You Next. Oh, uh, you should really just keep it on 98.9, KUTX, the Austin Music Experience, so you can listen to local bands, less local bands, unknown music, find some new ones. Do they play any Taylor Swift? No, but they do play a lot of uh, Cigarettes After Sex's cover of Neon Moon, which is really good. How about Lovely the Band? I really like Lovely the Band. They what, play a lot of sta- Mitski. What station does Chiverches come on? <laughs> Hold on, wait. What's the name of that band again? Chiverches? Nailed it. What What station does Churches come on? Because I would listen to that station on repeat. I've heard a couple older Churches songs on like KUTX. Really? KUTX is a very good radio station. I listen to... A friend of mine is on it. I listen to uh, ACL Radio, 93.3. What's ACL stand for? Austin City Limits. Oh, that makes sense. Austin City Limits Radio. Why then? Leave that pause. (laughs) (laughs) I listen to that and every... It's like every... Every month they play one church's song... <laughs> That's their allotment. That's their allotment. They're like, no, play more because churches can get it. Churches can get it. Churches can fuck. They're a great band. Churches chicken. I like them. Uh, so, uh, something that's, uh, interesting, not interesting about the radio business. Let them play. Th- okay, anyway. Radio, radio stations typically have A, B, and C songs. Yes. A songs are songs that are slotted for certain times and have to play. Imagine dragons on every station. Yeah. Uh, for the most part, they're top 40 stuff on most radio stations. No, they're just Imagine Dragons. Uh, B songs are songs that have to play, but it doesn't matter when they do. So that's, that's your, uh, Lovely the Band. Yeah, that's your Lovely the Band. Uh, and then C songs are typically DJ's choice. So that's why I always hear, uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers. <laughs> yes. Cause they haven't had a song in years. Uh, but yeah, that's typically how it goes. So if you hear a song all the time, it's because the station got paid to do an A song. Yeah, they're called what? P- Paola? 
Something like that. Yeah, there's an industry term for it. You pay to get on the radio. I, yeah. I don't think a lot of people know that. And if you pay to get on the radio, you're almost definitely an A song if you've got enough. Yeah, yeah. And then you select the times. They're usually around like peak traffic times to make sure the most people are listening. Anyway. So I, I think briefly, maybe for just like a minute, we'll list groups that we would rather see play the Super Bowl halftime show other than Maroon 5. Okay. Are these people that we genuinely believe have the kind of star power to do... Uh, a halftime show, or are these people that we just want to see perform on a national stage because we want them to get more attention? We each get one person. One, one group or person. One, one group or person. And I'll go first. Okay, mine... <laughs> Wait. It's going to be hard. Well, look, look, I've got a lot of opinions. My, my, the person on who I think... Wait, can I ask you a question? Yes. Can we, big game style, pick... An act? Yeah. Like a a group yeah, joined by this person and this person. Yes, absolutely. Okay. If that makes it easier for you. I know what I want now. Okay, well he, here's mine. And I, I think I think he has definitely the uh the the, the I guess the discography. Mm-hmm. He's got crowd potential, mm-hmm. you know, crowd pleasing potential, and he's musically talented. He's he's pretty big. And I'm just going to go ahead and say it. And I think a lot of people have said it before. I think Patton Oswalt tweeted it out. Weird Al. Weird Al halftime? Would be perfect. Yeah? He'd probably make a new song. He'd probably make a special big game song. Yeah. That's what he does, right? Well, maybe. He wouldn't even need to, you know? But everyone knows his music. Everyone knows his music, like white and nerdy, you know? Mm -hmm. He could play just the ones that people know and not... He could even work in, if he wanted to, like Hardware Store, mm-hmm. Horoscope for the Day, like some of his originals. But he, he, could, he could really just play anything. He could do whatever he wanted. He could stand on stage for 15 minutes playing the harmonica or, or the uh, accordion, and I would be pleased. He's also uh, an act that has no dissenters. He's an act that no one has real meaningful criticisms against. Yeah. And everyone knows his music. And as evidenced from his, uh, what's it called? Uh, needless and senselessly, uh, egotistical tour or whatever his most recent tour was. He has like crazy huge stage presence. He's I a think performer. He could do it. He's a performer. And uh, you would need a performer. I think Baroon 5 is an okay band, especially in the past. I think they've sold out. But I don't think they're they're not performers, you know. They're they're a, they're a studio band, yeah, kind of like Dragon Force. Yes, absolutely. And I think I think Weird Al is absolutely a performer, and I think I think it would be a lot of pressure on him because he's one person, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think he would want to do the best he can, he, he could. But I, I think he should get a fair shot. Yeah, I I really I very much think that Weird Al could do a hell of a halftime show and a message for the NFL. Like the crossover appeal, tons of people would just tune in for Weird Al. Yeah, because everyone likes him. I'm not the hugest Weird Al fan, but I'd watch the hell out of a Weird Al halftime show. Yeah, and if nothing else, you, like, he's a good person. Yeah, so you want him to do well. Yeah, and he's done well, so he's fine. <laughs> but still, halftime show is doing very well. That'd be cool, you know, because then, because then you could be like, okay, Prince and, and Weird Al, you know, the same cultural moment. Yeah, I, I would be so down for Weird Al Halftime Show. All right, so now hit, hit me with your hot take, your your group act. So mine's going to be very specific. So my super group, I, I'm trying to find something that I think would put on the best show 
I want I want to put on the best show, but it's going to be pretty. People wouldn't like it. Okay. So the headlining act for the Super Bowl halftime show, I would want to be Run the Jewels. All right, Killer Mike and LP. Uh, they're both pretty strongly anti-capitalist outside the political spectrum, so probably they wouldn't do it. But they have like great stage presence. They tend to they tend to smoke weed on stage. At least Killer Mike does. So probably curtail that. But their music is it's it's super hype. Uh, a lot of whites like it. The whites love it. The whites. You can't uh, say the whites. But it's uh, it's got a huge amount of appeal. They're only getting more and more popular. A lot of their songs off of off the run the off of Run the Jewels three could be huge hits in a stadium. However, it would be a medley of their biggest hits, and they would be joined by the following acts. If Run the Jewels was not enough to get asses. In seats. Then the person who would join them... God, I just had a really awful moment where I blanked on this person's name. Miley Cyrus. Wow. Comes in with fucking Wrecking Ball or any of her huge hits. Yeah, she, no, she's she's definitely a crowd pleaser. Yeah, she puts on a hell of a show. I've talked she to can multiple, sing. I've talked to multiple people who have gone to her shows, and she puts on a crazy fucking crowd-centric performance. Headlining, Run the Jewels. Featuring Miley Cyrus. Featuring Miley Cyrus. Coming in with a wrecking ball, destroying, like, breaking down the crowd. Yeah. Run the Jewels would, like, put up, like, a White House or something behind them. Yeah. And then Miley Cyrus would come in on a wrecking ball for her verse, and she'd join them, and she'd rap with them. Yeah. And then probably the last person I would add to increase stadium appeal, and just because I like them, would be Post Malone. Post Malone! Oh my god. Because I think that would be a genuinely good show. Post Malone's music, it, 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 it's heavily put together, isn't it? Yes. I don't know how he is as a live performer. He's kind yeah. of a wild card. But his, like, I don't mean to knock him or anything. His jam's like, look, better now. That's a smash. Yeah. Uh, Psycho's pretty good. Sunflower is just a chill, relaxed jam. Spoil my night, great. Basically anything off of, uh, what is it, Bentleys and Bong Hits? Yeah. Anything off of that is good. I, I, Post Malone is one of those, one of those music artists who's kind of like, I don't understand you, but I really like your music. Yeah. And I hope that's okay. No, I think that if you had a, a Run the Jewels, now granted, all of these are, are very. Uh, you're least, talking. This, these, this is a this is a stretch. You, they're they're very much across the spectrum because you yeah. know, the aggressive, fairly old school tactics of Run the Jewels, the the super uh, the the super provocative it, but yeah. talented Miley Cyrus, and then you have the the very uh, divisive Post Malone. I really think they could put on a hell of a show. <laughs> You've got like. Three generations of music there. That's you know, exactly you, you the know, point. You got the old school. You got you got like new wave pop, and then you've got whatever the hell Post Malone is. You know, mainstream, but like still like internet grassroots. All of those people reach different demographics, but they reach all of them strongly enough to put tons of asses in seats. And I think it would be the best halftime show ever. And what I would want to see, because this is something that I, I had a gripe about for Maroon Five. They didn't sing each other's songs, you know? Yeah. You know, covers are great. And, and like, accompanying covers, that's stuff you don't get on the album or at the concert. 
So, so this is a great opportunity at the halftime show. You're all on the same stage. You got limited time. Sing each other shit. Like, help out. Be backup singers or like a company, you know? Give new life to the songs that already are living on their own. Cause that, that, that's, that would make it special and unique and worth watching. Because here's what the three of the acts could do. So, Run the Jewels has a perfect opportunity for a mid-rap breakdown Miley Cyrus bit. If it's a verse off of Wrecking Ball, whatever, she could come in with original work. That's great. And then when Post Malone is introduced, half the crowd goes wild. Post Malone's music tends to have enough dropout points where you could get a real significant rap breakdown from Killer Mike or LP. Like, they would cross-pollinate. They would work with each other's music. They might hate each other as people, but in a fantasy world, that is what I would want. And then you're weaving these these musical threads together. You're, you're creating a completely original work that can only be seen at the show. And, and that that's the kind of thing that a halftime show should do. And most importantly... It's a big middle finger to boomers because they don't know who any of those people are. Oh, is that that was your whole point? Yeah, fuck boomers. I think Miley Cyrus made enough waves with her, yeah. like I, you know, acting out. That's not. I don't. They that's probably, not how I want to phrase it. They'd probably be like, "Oh, that's that aggressive lesbian." Exactly. Yeah. Oh yeah. no. Oh, how did Billy Ray Cyrus? He's so <laughs> good, Billy Ray Cyrus. I really like his music. How did he ever raise such a person? Oh. She just, she just doesn't appreciate what he did for her. That's what they do, and they tune out. That's my boomer voice. Uh, that was a good boomer voice. But I think that might bring us to the natural end of our discussion of the halftime show. Yeah. You said you wanted to talk about two I things, did. and all we talked about was the Super Bowl, and I'm sorry. The what? I'm not really, I, I know what I fucking said. <laughs> uh, I know what I fucking the said. The second thing that I said, Super Bowl for you. Oh, where? S-O-U-P. <laughs> oh. What do you mean? The you Austin mean Super Bowl of Caring. Uh, yes. But the last thing... Oh, I yeah, with a fucking no. Fuck you. The last thing I wanted to talk about, we have less time for it now, but I still want to dedicate maybe the last 10, 15 minutes of this episode oh my to God. this. <laughs> 10 to 15 minutes? All right, Are we so over time? We're going long. Uh, we can... Wait, actually, you've got 10 minutes. We can save it. No, 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 you've got 10 minutes. Do we want to talk about it for 10 minutes? I don't know what it is. Okay. What I want to talk about for 10 minutes is Hobbs and Shaw. Oh, fuck yes. Yes. Oh, my God. All right. I don't The watch- premiere trailer. I don't watch trailers, but I did watch the, the TV spot. You were forced to. I was forced to. I, so I, I saw a lot of things. But the most exciting one was Avengers. But the second most exciting one was Hobbs and Shaw. How do you feel about the theory that all of the footage and all of the Avengers Endgame trailers has been made up for the trailers? Uh, I love that theory because the Russo bros have... They they did a similar tactic for, for Infinity War. They have threatened it in interviews. Anyway, yeah. back to Hobbs and Shaw. Hobbs and Shaw. I, I, I put this on our Facebook page and I tweeted it out. We're the foremost authority on the Fast and Furious news. I dare anyone. Yeah, yeah. Come Come at us. Come for the crown. Come for the crown. Come at us. And from this foremost authority, we are asserting 
that Hobbs and Shaw is going to be the best movie of 2019. I am. I guarantee it. From watching, because I knew that Idris Elba was involved because you had told me, the only real things I knew about Hobbs and Shaw were that there were some background disputes between uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Vin Diesel over like creative philosophies okay there was some friction i think it all resolved amicably but the thing is well i I don't think this movie's gonna mention family at all no fate of the furious oh man fate of the furious began no not began with but had probably the second best action set piece of the fast and furious franchise outside of the bank vault hall which is wait let me guess go ahead is well, this is going to be wrong. But is it when... Uh, Sh- what the... Is his name Shaw? Which one? Uh, Jason Statham? Yes. Shaw is beating up people and talking to a baby. Is that the moment you're talking No, but Dang you're it. right. That is a phenomenal moment. But right. it is when uh, Hobbs and Shaw escape prison together. Oh, yeah. That's a really great moment. Because it's maybe my favorite moment from that movie. Because it, they hate each it other. It plays their personalities and physicality perfectly. Yeah. Uh, and I'm extremely excited for Hobbs and Shaw because it's going to be two hours of that. Yeah. No, yeah. We've got the raw, like, strength and muscle from Dwayne The Rock Johnson. And you've got, like, the roguish... Strength of, of you yeah. know, the, the more sleight of hand and gadget based. You've got the hammer and the knife. And then they're going against a literal Superman. When that was. He's got, he's got genetic when mutations. It was, when it was revealed that this is finally the introduction of, of post human super soldiers into, yes. the fat, into the fuck you. E, yeah, the fuck you is getting an evil Captain America. An evil Captain America played by Idris Elba. This movie can't be bad. This must be the most perfect action movie of all time. I I was watching It's got all the elements. I was in a party full of people and everyone was talking nothing about sh- nothing but shit about that trailer because they were like I haven't seen one of those movies since the first one. That oh, was the only- they're missing Every- out. Everyone was wrong, by the way. They were talking from a place of ignorance and for that I both uh I forgive them and sentence them to perdition. But the fact that everyone there was like, oh man, I can't believe these movies have gotten so ridiculous. I'm like, you have no, you have no fucking idea. clue. Yeah. No, I'm so hyped. I, I love that, 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 that the fuck you was spinning off to side stories. There was also another article about maybe an all, an all woman, uh, fuck yeah. you uh, movie, uh, which uh, a female that, protagonist. That would be awesome. That would be great. Yeah. No, that would be like that. That would be one instance because they're, they've got a, a lot of badass women in universe already. That per- they, it's like they could, they didn't, they won't need to reboot. They'll just need to, to spin off. Perfect scenario. Michelle Rodriguez. Yeah. Um, Gal Gadot didn't die. Gal Gadot didn't die. It's not a name. Gal Gadot Gal- didn't die. Gal Gadot didn't die. And uh, Kara, fucking MMA lady who was part of Elder Shaw, Younger Shaw Brothers. I don't remember. God, she's so good. I know. Anyway, all three of them hey, they form get, their own Fast and get Familia. Get Ronda Rousey back. And Ronda Rousey, all of them come together to form their own Fast and Familia against Cypher. And all against Cypher, and all oh my God. women, and all women, not even the villain, not is just a woman. A, not just a female protagonist-led Fast and Furious movie, but an all-female primary cast. Oh man, so good! That would be so good. And I Ronda Rousey go. has had all of this experience from the WWE to to bring she's up probably a better actor. Much, she's much better. But like 
the Hobbs and Shaw trailer, when I saw it and I was surrounded by naysayers, I felt like a conspiracy theorist. Because yeah. I was like, all these people have no idea how deep they it goes. They don't know the truth. They don't know how good it can be. <laughs> they don't we, know how good these movies are. We, and how bad these movies are. We've been converts. You know, we've, we've converted to the house of the fuck you. And you know, I'm, I'm happier for it. Because now I can look forward to Hobbs and Shaw. My fiance, soon to be wife, is excited about Hobbs and Shaw. Yeah, it can looks you, great. Can you imagine if you remained in in Plato's cavern in the dark and you oh, saw yeah. the trailer and you're like, "Huh, more bullshit." Yeah. But now we, oh, more shadows on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> While we're looking at the real fucking, we're, we're looking thing. at the real thing. We're and in we, the we light. We know how how truly beautiful and multifaceted yeah. this thing Get is. Fucked, Plato. I I cannot overstate how hyped I am for Hobbs and Shaw. When is it coming out? August? I really hope it's sooner than that, but I think it's you're some, right. It's some dumb summer month. You know it's some dumb summer month. And I, during our watching of the Fast and Furious movies, watched the trailers for all of the movies. This Hobbs and Shaw trailer, probably the best one out of all of them. Oh, I don't watch trailers. Because it's perfectly constructed, which is why I didn't bring it up. But I thought that maybe we could do like a trailer rundown. I did more work for our uh, supplemental reads of the Fast and Furious than I've ever done for anything else in the podcast. <laughs> That's I'm, uh, honestly probably true for me, too, because we, I took notes. I still have the document, <laughs> extensive notes that I took during during each watching. But, oh, man, I can't wait for the supplemental reading of I, Hobbs and Shaw. Maybe a multi-part series. <laughs> it, because if if we look at it realistically, we, we stressed our bandwidth budget pretty significantly whenever we were doing those supplemental readings because we consistently went long. If Hobbs and Shaw ends up being a two-parter, that's fine. Yeah. Uh, sorry, everyone who loves <laughs> us. Anyone who will... All the fans who listen to us who don't get on board with the Fast and Furious movies, we apologize in advance. But come June... Or when it's Hobbs and Shaw month. I, I just want to make everyone perfectly aware that I know that we spent the majority of this episode shitting on American monoculture and capitalism. And all of those things do have their very meaningful faults. But the existence of the Hobbs and Shaw trailer, it is a flare in the night. It is a signal to those who are hungry and thirsty in the wilderness. It is our, our, our siren song. What is that? It's a call, carrion call, fucking that our flag is still clarion there. call. It is our clarion call as human beings, as residents of planet Earth, that art is still alive and art is good. And no matter how bad things are, Hobbs and Shaw is still coming out in 2019. For the folks at home, Clarion call means a strongly expressed demand or request for action. It is a call to action. To go to theaters. Support Hobbs and Shaw. Or else... No. (laughs) Yes, if you don't support Hobbs and Shaw, you sure as fuck don't support us. Yeah. Oh, man. Remember when I said you get ten minutes? We talked about that for ten minutes. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we're thirty minutes over, not under. We started at about 20, and that uh, seems like a, since we're talking about the length of the episode, we can probably start the social media plugs. Yeah, I mean, this is a now, now is as good as time as any. So, if you're Jason Statham, 
Actually, you would be better probably as The Rock. I am would, taller than you. Who am I? Am I Statham? I'd say... In I'm, the, f- I'm fat. I'm fat, too. We're like fat hobs. We're like fobs and faw. Fobs and faw. All right, well, from your own fobs and faw, here come the time-honored... This is where people stop listening. Social media plugs. Now, I feel like we started this year on a weird note because you did the social media plugs and I did the I social media plugs. I thought I could do plugs. good at it. You did pretty okay. I don't think so. I feel like the only way to settle this is a gentleman's game of rock, paper, scissors. All right. And the loser has to do the plugs. Here we go. Okay. Wait. Are we doing one, two, three, shoot? We're doing or one, two, three. We're doing rock, paper, scissors, shoot. On shoot, you display your selection. All right. It's not going to be that dumb rock, paper, scissors, shoot, and then you give it an extra one. No, no, no. It's four On pounds, shoot. and then you go. All right. That is the only way gentlemen do it. All right. Rock, rock paper, scissors, shoot. Alright, so if you want to send us your suggestions for how we should settle the age-old social media reading debate, you can do so by sending us an email at zerocreditsisapodcast at gmail.com. Send us an email and we swear we will read it. You can reach us on Twitter by going to at zcpcwhj on twitter.com. Please send us all of your uh, aggressive, semi-woke, capitalist Wendy's posts, I guess. Uh, we are on Twitch at twitch.tv slash zero credits. We can say that for one more month, so we really need to get on the stick about that. We are on Spotify. You can find us by searching for zero credit open parentheses s close parentheses on Spotify. Add us to your favorite listening device. If you, for instance, want to create a playlist of all of Maroon 5 songs <laughs> interspersed with entire episodes of zero credits, you are more than able to do so. We're on Apple Podcasts. Search for zero credits there. We're on Facebook. Search for Zero Creds Podcast in the Facebook search bar. But back to Apple Podcasts, that's really the most important one. Leaving reviews there, especially good reviews, is the easiest way for people to find out about the podcast. However, the best way to find quality referrals to the podcast is to... Word of the mouth is the only way we can survive. Forget I said the word two, and you should tell two friends... And if you tell two friends, they'll tell you to go fuck yourself. Wow. And from everyone here at the Zero Credits Two Bed, Two Bath Studio Apartment. Studio doesn't belong there. Yeah. Uh, from everyone here at the Zero Credits Two Bedroom, Two Bathroom Apartment Studio. There's going to be a word between bathroom and apartment. Really? There's going to be something. My bathroom apartment is so good. <laughs> From everyone here at the Zero Credits Two Bathroom Two Bedroom Apartment Studios, we want to wish you a happy week. Hobbs and Shaw. Hobbs and Shaw. Hobbs and Shaw. Hobbs and Shaw. Break it down, Henry. Wicker, wicker. <laughs> <laughs>